0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up everyone and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. We are previewing the 49ers game really quickly today. I couldn't leave you guys without a uh, preview for this week's matchup. Um, apologies for the lack of, of no podcast on Monday. Uh, I guess some technical difficulties on Ovi's end. As I mentioned, I was out on, on a baby moon to Amelia Island. Great trip. Uh, the weather was mostly good to us. It um, wasn't always great. A little bit rainy on wednesday before we headed back but uh, a great opportunity just to get away recharge not do a damn thing we didn't want to we did go do a little uh short course for for golf um the longest hole i believe was 125 yards and the most frustrating thing even more frustrating i think than walking up to the number one tee and slicing uh your your first drive off into the woods is walking onto the number one tee and seeing the hole, not 50 yards away, not 25 yards away, and uh, absolutely just shooting your first uh, wedge shot, because that's what you start on in these tiny little courses, is a wedge, uh, just way over the green, and then watching your uh, lovely wife pitch two balls right into the water on first swing. So um, that was great. But outside of that Awesome trip, lovely trip. Uh, really excited, though, to be back, talk about the Falcons um, with you all. We're going to get into my thoughts on Tampa Bay really quickly, um, a couple other news and notes about the Falcons, and then some real quick preview thoughts. No guests today um, about the 49ers and this upcoming game that I will be at in person on Sunday. So you'll get my thoughts from the actual game, covering it there live like I used to. Uh, on Monday morning, when I reconvene with Ovi this weekend. Um, but before we get to all of that, here's this football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your gridiron betting needs this season. You'll find latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting and scores, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that is B-L-E-A-V, once again, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards and guys remember bet online where the game starts. All right, so recapped uh, the Amelia Island trip recapped the baby moon got that all out of the way. Uh, House of the Dragon heating up, you know, if he's not here to, to back me on that, but if you're not watching or miss this last one, it's my favorite. Uh, so there we go. Pop culture out of the way. Let's get into some football I was able to watch the second half of the Falcons uh, Buccaneers game. Went to a nice little uh, bar and grabbed some food. Huge portions. Oh my God, massive portions at the uh, Falcons Nest, ironically called. Um, but they did not have the Falcons Bucks game on initially. So we got a little private room for that screening of what is one of the worst calls that I've ever seen a referee make and I'll, I'll start right there. There really is kind of no defending that call and my immediate take after the game. And, you know, I kind of wish that I had had a microphone for this because I think it's pretty good, but the NFL is all about parody, right? And that's kind of one of the things that makes it great. It's one of the things we've been lacking in college football for a long time. And it's one of the reasons I think a lot of people were a little bit, um, skittish on the notion of extending the regular season because you don't want to dampen the product. Uh, when you have teams that can go from like Cincinnati last year, kind of talked about as maybe a top five pick to being in the Super Bowl, that parody is real and it exists. And it's one of the reasons why I felt maybe OK about the Falcons this year that every year there are some teams that are just better than they ex- are expected to be that kind of sneak into the playoffs and everything looks good. And I kind of felt maybe the Falcons could be a team like that this year, but here you have a referee essentially totally changing the outcome of the game. And, and I say that, and I wanted to add it potentially in there, but that would have been way too many qualifiers for a uh, sentence. I am a, a journalism major after all can't do that, but it did change. The flow of that game. It gave essentially Tampa Bay the win. We don't know what Atlanta would have done with the opportunity, but it stole an opportunity from Atlanta in favor of the most accomplished player of all time. So you have a chance for parity here for the league that really wants parity because it keeps everybody interested. It keeps everybody hoping for next season that this year is our year. And here's an opportunity for an Atlanta team that nobody really thought had any chance to do anything this year to be first place in the NFC South and set up a big storyline kind of at the end point of the season when the Falcons will next play the Bucs could have had all of this and it gets taken away in favor of, again, the most accomplished NFL player of all time. So that sucks. But the Falcons could have done more earlier to win that game. They were not that good on offense. Defensively, I actually thought that they were pretty admirable. Uh, They weren't good Tampa Bay threw the ball a crap ton, but I think the Falcons did all right in spite of all of that. Um, I thought they were much better in the red zone. That's pretty telling. And again, the Falcons kind of were right there with Tampa Bay, who is, I think, a much better team without arguably their their two best um, offensive weapons. So, you know, I'm not going to dwell too much on this game. I, I think it kind of comes... At a time when Atlanta can afford to to lose a game, maybe that teaches them a lesson. And I don't know if the lesson is as sharp here because it kind of felt like it was stolen from them in some degree, but Arthur Smith wasn't really talking much about the penalty. He was talking much more about kind of what could he have done to maybe not put them in a spot where one penalty cost them the game. And that's kind of my thought as well as the Falcons weren't the better team on Sunday. Could they have had a chance to escape with a win? Yes, but... I think there are bigger takeaways than just, you know, a really awful, awful penalty that should not have happened. But it did. That being said, you know, Atlanta probably should not have won that game if we're being honest with ourselves. The person I feel worst, though, for is Grady Jarrett. And I felt it at the time because I've been there. I've been in the building before when he has had a sack essentially kind of erased for no reason at all. And he's had a couple of these throughout his career. I remember the Philadelphia game in week one after that um, 2017 season. And it was kind of when they were reemphasizing the rule and his body weight fell on the quarterback. So they threw the penalty and it shouldn't have been a penalty. It should have been a safety. Um, So that sucks. He should have had his four and a half. The sack. I don't know how to announce that really, Um, but he should have had four and a half sacks on the season. He doesn't. He's still at three and a half. um, But, Arthur Smith uh, kind of had a quote here, and I think it's so telling because we should appreciate Grady Jarrett so much more. We saw how everything ended with Julio, with Matt Ryan. Those guys don't come around in a franchise very often. Grady Jarrett is one of them. Jake Matthews is another. We should appreciate those guys while we have them, but here's something that Arthur Smith said um, about Grady Jarrett on, I believe, Monday. It may have been Monday, may have been Wednesday, but this week, quote, he's rare. The same thing Davo Swinney told me when I talked to him when I got this job. He said, if you're going to start a program, that's the guy you started with. I know a lot of people say a lot of things and fluff things up, but that's a true statement. I think it's impressive the guy gets a new contract, and I don't know if there's anybody working or playing harder than he is, end quote. And that's absolutely right. Grady Jarrett gets a new deal and is no different. Then the former fifth round pick that I got to cover for four years, who is accountable every week. I think it's very telling that he did not talk to the media after this game. That shows you how angry he was, Um, but he is playing his ass off this season. Grady Jarrett is is really, really a standout part of this team. And so I hate it for him that uh, he got a potentially another game winning Role playing sack because not every single one have won them the game, but he has had sacks that have absolutely played into Atlanta winning games recently. So should have had another one here, but it got taken away from him. So that sucks for Grady, but he is everything that Atlanta needs him to be this season. And he is a huge part. He's probably my MVP for this team um, through their first five games. Somebody who is not an MVP for Atlanta, Deion Jones now traded to the Cleveland Browns officially. Uh, very minimal return, but they did get a return for him in the form of a sixth-round draft pick. So, you know, Deion Jones' time in Atlanta comes to an end. And it's really, you know, a sad ending, honestly, because I think from the moment in week three when he on Monday night football picked off Drew Brees, took it all the way back. Um Everybody fell in love with him. He, he was the Saints killer that Atlanta finally, finally had because forever Drew Brees and New Orleans offense was killing Atlanta's linebackers, be it Sean Witherspoon, be it Curtis Lofton, who eventually jumped ship and went over to New Orleans, Akeem Dent, Steven Nicholas, all these guys. Um, Drew Brees and Sean Payton lit him up. And then you had Deion Jones to a lesser extent of Andre Campbell, but finally stepped in and and made him pay year in and year out. Uh, Unfortunately, it it doesn't end the way I think everybody wanted it to. But this is as much about turning the page, I think, culturally as it was scheme wise. We're seeing Grady Jarrett, an A plus in the culture department can translate the scheme. They're figuring out ways to incorporate what he does well. They're not really trying that with Dion. and, And I think that that kind of is all you need to know about everything that's happened. He's a great player. Um, but I, I don't know if necessarily this is the situation that is right for him. I think it's very clear that they like the linebackers that they have in this building. Arthur Smith said it's it's one of the deepest groups they have. Troy Anderson there, Quinn Bell, Nate Landman can all step up um, with potentially Michael Walker, who has missed two practices now, um, Wednesday and Thursday. Potentially could be out with a groin injury. We'll see what happens on Friday, but they're going to need kind of the youth and the depth at linebacker to step up against a very good 49ers run game. So Deion Jones, no longer part of that mix, but we will see kind of the depth that they now have at the linebacker position. Like I mentioned, Michael Walker could be out. Um, Arthur Smith said in Maine, probably not long-term that if it was, he would have said something to the media. He did not. So, We will see if that just is a way for him to buy time um, or if if that's legit. And who knows? Maybe Michael Walker is able to go able to go limited fashion Friday and can suit up. Rashawn Evans figures to be huge in this game because he is a very good, I think, run defender, not as good um, in coverage. So George Kittle could potentially be a big problem there. In other injury news, Kyle Pitts returns to practice expectations are that they that he will play he says according to Mike Rothstein um, that he will play Arthur Smith says they'll take it throughout the week so we will see what happens there my gut right now usually when you see him returning to practice the player says he's good to go you know it's not like there was a clear and obvious injury that removed him um, from the game the week prior so we'll see But I think that he's trending towards playing. And then Elijah Wilkinson left guard returned to practice in limited fashion on Thursday. So still bears monitoring, but he has been huge, I think, for this offensive line so far because he really balances what Atlanta is able to do. They're not kind of dependent on running to one side or the other. They can balance it a little bit more. So that is really positive news. I think that he's able to get in even a limited session. So turning the page, let's look at the 49ers. I think it's clear after the first five weeks, Atlanta can play with practically anybody. I think the combination of game plan that they come into each matchup with, um, from a coaching perspective and kind of a personnel perspective has been really, really top notch and definitely deserves mention. I mean, I think Arthur Smith should be, and, and this may be bias who knows, but I think he should belong kind of with the early top 10 candidates, the longer list of coach of the year candidates just because of what he's been able to do week to week with or without some of his top guys utilizing not utilizing some of his top guys I just think it's really creative and he's going to need to be excellent this week even if Kyle Pitts is back San Francisco's defense both on paper and in reality this year has been the best in the NFL I think they are First in a whole bunch of categories and they're first in uh, DVOA defensively. They are exceptional on early downs. First and second down, they are incredible. The key here, though, is they are banged up. You know, Nick Bosa kind of remains to be seen what uh, his status will be for this game. Um, He has missed practice twice in a row. Uh, For this one, Eric Armstead, defensive tackle, another great player, has not practiced yet um, this week as well. Javon Kinlaw, those two guys kind of both figure to be out for this game. Jimmy Ward, their excellent cornerback, has not practiced this week. Trent Williams has not practiced this week. Um, You know, so they are really, really hurting. They are really hurting, especially on the uh, defensive side of the ball, especially on the defensive line, too. So that bears, you know, mentioning because Atlanta has been an exceptionally great run team and they've been really, really good at kind of being creative with the way that they create angles to block defenders, whether it's an offensive, uh, you know, a skill position player coming from the edge, a wide receiver, tight end, a running back split out wide and kind of crack blocking. So the tight end or maybe a a tackle can get a free release and move to the next level to get a linebacker. It's a way to both create leverage for an undersized player to have an easier matchup against a bigger defender. The defender doesn't really see it coming. And then you free up your better blocker to be at the second level. So hopefully you get a quick advantage before the defense can really react. Boom, you can seal off maybe an edge and get a big play. Atlanta has been really good at that. The 49ers are really good at that. And here's where really the matchup of this game comes down to me. San Francisco's linebackers. Uh, Fred Warner is an absolute stud. Uh, He's one of my favorite linebackers uh, to watch in the entire game. So it's no surprise to me that he's already off to uh, another incredible start this year. The way that he is able to kind of navigate traffic um, and sift through these blockers, these kind of complex uh, blocking schemes that I was just mentioning. That is really what allows this defense to go. Dre Greenlaw is another player who has been really, really good in coverage for them. So how he's able to match up uh, against kind of what Atlanta wants to do. Oren Burks has gotten very limited time for them, but he's been okay in spots. Uh, but really, really it's, it's Warner, it's Greenlaw. Those two guys at the linebacker, They're healthy. And they are the heart of kind of what San Francisco is doing right now. And then uh, Talanoa uh, Hufanga, Hufanga sorry, is uh, is also playing incredibly well and is so much fun to watch. But he's going to be, along with those linebackers, I think a huge part of this game. Because I think that even though the depth for San Francisco is really good on their defensive line, I do kind of think that Atlanta is going to be able to move the ball Um, on the ground the key here though is can they do it on first and second down because again that is where san francisco has been far and away far and away the best defense in the league on first and second down the falcons are still the best team on first down according to epa um you know which is expected points over average just how much does any given play impact your kind of scoring total um they are still so good second down they've got to get better at they're really establishing themselves, uh, which is what they want to do. They want to kind of set the tone to defenses, but the 49ers counter that really well. They often establish what an offense can do because they're so good on first and second down. So that's going to be a key. And really it starts with their linebackers um, because they're so good at the second level yardage defensively and in limiting that. And the Falcons have been very, very good second level open field creating yardage after the offensive line gets them kind of started. So really the run game is going to face an interesting matchup. I said last week, I thought um, Atlanta's run game could play into what is Tampa Bay's weakness defensively, you know, that at times flashed itself. I think Tampa Bay did a pretty good job overall uh, defensively against Atlanta. They have now a harder task in front of them uh, in San Francisco, but it's strength on strength. It is Big time strength on strength. And it may not come down to the run game the way I thought that the Tampa game could, because I thought Atlanta could at least stick to its strength a little bit longer. Here, I think they'll be able to stick to their strength. I don't know if they're going to be able to win with that strength because I think San Francisco can kind of neutralize that. But what Atlanta is going to be able to do in the passing game with Drake London, if Kyle Pitts is back, which I expect him to be with Kyle Pitts, because with uh, San Francisco likes to not just play kind of cover one, they'll play a deep cover one. They will play their corners safety jammed up against the receivers and have a deep, deep single high safety. Um, I think Atlanta can really take advantage of that kind of on the wide hashes outside of the hashes by the sideline. Drake London, I think can definitely win there. He's a great contested catch receiver. I think Daryl Hodge can have another big game. I don't know if this is going to be a huge de Zaccheaus game. I think Kyle Pitts, uh, he'll either have nothing or he'll have a great game, (laughs) which, sure, great insight there. But I think Atlanta can get their spots. Flip it around. San Francisco's offense. Trent Williams is one of the guys who has not been able to practice for San Francisco this week. That's going to hurt them on the offensive line. They've got a number of kind of Newer guys there on the offensive line. So Atlanta should be able to have some kind of success. I think with their front, Uh, they've been hit and miss, I think, but you know, generally all right with all of this, really, it's going to be kind of the run game. And Dean Pease has been around for a long time. So I think if there's not going to be anything that surprises him, he's going to know 100% how to counteract these wide zone schemes, these inside zone schemes, Arthur Smith complimented Kyle Shanahan a lot for gun runs, which the Falcons have started to do as well, not just out of shotgun, but kind of pistol, which allows you to still have that duality of where a running back can go either way. The 49ers do a lot of, of true shotgun runs. Um, they had a lot more built in with Trey Lance because of his running ability than they do with, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, but still utilize it a lot with Debo Samuel, who is incredibly effective, The big thing to me, though, for Atlanta's defense against San Francisco's offense, yards after the catch. San Francisco is so good at breaking tackles, getting extra yardage. The Falcons have not been great at tackling so far this season. Uh, You know, I I think back particularly to that Cleveland game where they certainly they managed to win, but they were bad tackling um, that Browns offense. And I think again against Tampa Bay. Certainly some extra chances for uh, the Bucks offense because of missed tackles. So the Falcons cannot allow that to happen against this offense because the 49ers are perhaps the most dangerous team in the league. Well, you know, probably Miami because uh, Jalen Waddell and Tariq Hill are so, so fast. But Jawan Jennings is kind of a Muhammad Sanu caliber of player. Uh, a little bit of a mimicry there with the size, the speed. Um, some of his fluidity, which is sneaky. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, all of those guys can, can totally break tackles, make defenders miss, make them pay if they're not ready and get 12 yards after the catch so, so easily. And that is really what makes San Francisco's offense able to stay on schedule, on track with the run game that they really want to do. Atlanta stays on track with the run game by being so good on first downs, establishing and dictating to the defense to set up whatever counter move they want. They get a really effective jab to then set up the next punch that they want to throw. The 49ers are really, they'll they'll jab, they'll jab, they'll jab. Even if they don't get anywhere, eventually something breaks through the defense, they land a punch, and then they're able to kind of really stay back in rhythm of what they want to do. So if Atlanta is able to rally, make these tackles, Make them truly throw it underneath, get George Kittle, get Debo Samuel involved, which they they want to do. So they're more than willing to get them involved quickly, but rally and make the tackle and make them in put them in a bunch of third down situations, I think, is what Atlanta has to do defensively, because San Francisco can flip the field very, very quickly. And the final thing, speaking of flipping the field, there's going to be a special teams play in this game. San Francisco special teams has not been good this season, particularly the right side of their kickoff unit, uh, their coverage unit. So you're behind San Francisco's kickoff team. The right side of their coverage unit has been weak. I think that Atlanta Avery Williams uh, has looked pretty good on some punt returns. I think that he's got some some shots here in the kick return game uh, to really make them pay. That could be a sneaky uh, aspect of this game which could be closed the Falcons have a tendency so far this season not just tendency a virtual guarantee to play close games um so far in 2022 so i expect this to be another one but those are some quick thoughts on this week's matchup again Ovi and i will be back monday morning bright and early with our recap of this game i will be there in person so who knows may get to uh, ask arthur smith some of these questions that I brought up on today's podcast. We'll see what his answer is. We'll see how the team plays again. I'm past kind of the point of expecting them to do poorly. I expect them to actually do well moving forward uh, because I think that this team is well coached. I think they're playing hard. I think they're getting great execution and they're doing a really good job of keeping everything close against good teams, against bad teams. I would love to see them kind of beat up a bad team, but we thought that these first seven games were going to be brutal They're two and three. You know, I know it's not three and two. I know it's not four and one, but they are two and three and they have been in every single game. And last week's game sucks and it hurts, but it should refocus these guys and weirdly give them confidence. So that's what I will leave you guys with, because this week is a big barometer game, but I kind of like the Falcons. I think it's going to be a close game. But again, the Falcons have shown they can win these close games injuries and the depth problem tend to show themselves late in games and in surprise ways like special teams. I already think the 49ers have a disadvantage in that area and I could see the Falcons winning another close one late, kind of like they did against Cleveland. I see this being a very similar type of game. So there you have it. Today's podcast podcast was presented by Bet Online. Please like, subscribe, let everybody know where they can find us. Check us out on Monday morning. Uh, but until then, guys, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.